Hello and welcome to Just Another Gala. It's July 19th and you're listening to episode 19 of your Ottawa Theatre Weekly Podcast. I'm Jessica Ruano. And I'm Kat Fournier. On today's episode, we'll be asking some tough questions. Does Canada have a so-called national theatre? What role can theatre play in the refugee crisis? What chance does a white trash Quebecois couple have of impressing an adoption agency? And was Shakespeare drunk when he wrote Pericles? We've got news, reviews, and previews, so keep listening. Kicking it off with a little bit of news, this first piece really isn't about theatre, but a virtual reality theatre is opening in Toronto. It's a pop-up cinema in Toronto called Vivid, and it's the first virtual reality theatre in North America of its kind. Audience members don virtual reality headsets and can watch the film unfold in a 360-degree way. While the pop-up experiment runs until September 11th, this immersive technology seems like a theatrical project waiting to happen. Find out more at vividvr.ca. A new Facebook group titled Women's Theatre Network invites women to connect with each other online. Ottawa-based actor-writer Victoria Luloff was inspired to create this group for women to focus on encouraging each other's writing, creation, auditions, workshops, etc. She writes, We need more. We need more from our industry and more for ourselves. Need actors to workshop or read something you're writing? Looking for a contact to accomplish something for your show? Want to ask questions? Need someone to read sides with you to prepare for auditions? Put it up here. Bitches doing it for themselves. We'll include the Facebook link in the text of this podcast. Um, it also happens to be Victoria's birthday today, so happy birthday, Victoria. What is the role of theatre in the refugee crisis? The British Council has released a thought-provoking podcast that examines the interplay between theatre and the refugee crisis in the UK. The podcast asks the question, in dire times, is art a frivolous distraction? Or can it be used to heal and unify? It's a potent question, and one that uses real-life examples to elucidate the social impacts of theatre and the value of expression, especially for marginalized groups. We've included a link in our SoundCloud description. We've seen a rash of disturbing, heart-wrenching, and chilling violence lately. Whether it's the nationalist fallout from Brexit, the cycles of violence in Baton Rouge, or the negative backlash to Black Lives Matter Toronto, the theme of rights for minority groups runs like a current through our communities. Imago Theatre in Oregon is an excellent example of a theatre that is meeting the social challenge head-on. The theatre company The Color of Now hosted a conversation called What's Race Got to Do With It? The evening featured performance, panel, and audience talkback to a jam-packed audience. A reflection of the hunger for communities to have a place to talk about real issues in a direct way. A really inspiring initiative, and you'll find the article linked in our SoundCloud description. There was an interesting provocation raised by the Globe and Mail's Kate Taylor on whether or not Canada has a national theatre. In this article, Kate Taylor notes that the National Arts Centre only plays for Ottawa audiences. She says it doesn't tour, which is something that she she thinks is important for national theatre. And she specifies that uh, despite this, it has made strides on the English theatre side. So reading this article, we had a few thoughts for uh, Miss Taylor. Um, Predominantly, uh, what about French theatre? She mentions English theatre in terms of the NAC, but it also has a very strong French theatre season, um, and, uh, and it is, it's coming up with a new Indigenous season in the next couple of years. So it seems a bit limited to only specify uh, what the English theatre is doing in this case. Um, also, the National Arts Centre shows often do play in other centres across Canada. 
Um, we have a network of centennial theaters in this country. So a show that might happen, might, might start at the National Arts Center, will probably play somewhere else. And there have been examples of this um, over the years. Um, we also have the Magnetic North Theater Festival, which is presented by the National Arts Center and tours to a different city every other year. So at the time this article was written, the festival had just finished in Whitehorse. So, and, and it's it's kind of interesting to sort of question a few things about this article, because you had some thoughts, right, Kat? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you brought up the point of centennial theaters. And Canada's theater of history, and Kate mentions this to her credit in her article, has always been very regional. And this is, a, this is a positive thing. So my first thought when I read this article is really... Really, is it really that important for us to have a national theater? Why are we so attached to, to that idea necessarily? Isn't it better to have a vast network of theaters like the Centennial Theaters, like all of the different touring companies um, that, that present work in a way that uh, is a nod to our, our vast geography and our even more uh, vast number of communities so, so that was sort of my reaction. Yeah, and, yeah. and theater festivals as well that, uh, that do present work mm -hmm. and encourage uh, touring theater across Canada. Um, and another little note about, about French theater is she, she mentions that the only playwright who could possibly have um, his own festival in Canada would be Michel Tremblay. But I mean, there, we've seen some great work from Wajdi Mouawad, from Rabat Lepage. I believe that both in French and English theater, we, we now have a canon of work to choose from. Um, so I, I felt that this article could have used a little bit more research. And I do think that the artistic director of the NAC English Theatre, Gillian Kiley, would agree because she's written an eloquent response to this article on the Spiderweb show um, about uh, titled "Why Doesn't Does Doesn't Canada Have a National Theatre?" <laughs> so we have the link again on our SoundCloud description. So check that out and see see what you think. If you have any responses to this article or to what Gillian Kiley has to say about the matter. So that's it for news this week. We're jumping into reviews right after this break. So this is summertime, which means the season of outdoor theater. Lots of great things to see um, over the next month or so. Uh, we've seen two shows that we'd like to talk about for this episode. Uh, the first one is Pericles, Prince of Tyre. It's a new show from A Company of Fools, part of their, their Torchlight Shakespeare series. Uh, so this show opened on July 4th and plays until August 20th. So you haven't seen it so far, you still have plenty of time to catch the show. It plays every Monday in Strathcona Park, and on other days of the week, plays at different theaters all across Ottawa, sometimes even outside of Ottawa, such as play, like in Almonds and other, other towns nearby. Um, so this play, Pericles, is not often seen. It's one of those sort of more unusual Shakespeare plays. So this might be like, an, you know, a great chance to go and see it. So the description goes, uh, dueling knights, dastardly pirates, proper princesses, promiscuous prostitutes an ancient goddess, and not one but two shipwrecks. When our hero discovers a dark secret about the evil king of Antioch, Pericles is forced to flee for his life. So begins an epic voyage that takes him across several seas to far-off lands, where he discovers adventure, love, and just maybe what life is all about. Don't miss this exciting, fast-paced escapade set in a mythical world and played against the backdrop of Ottawa's parks. Fun for the entire family. So this is hilarious to me because fun for the entire family. And we've already had in that description what promiscuous prostitutes and this dark secret that we discover, uh, you know, a few minutes into the play is actually about incest. So, you know, and other, other, other sort of like 
family-friendly themes include um, death in childbirth, uh, attempted <laughs> child murder, um, and uh, parental abandonment, um, and again, a, a nice scene set in a brothel. So we've got all kinds of great things for kids of all ages. Yeah, that's but, like the spin of the century. <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's, it's tremendously funny because like, although all these things are included in the play, and I think like the, the Fools and Catriona Leger who directs this play are very much aware of this, but they're like, you know what? We're going to do the play anyway. And I really admire their, their ambition in doing this. And, and they do handle the tough subjects really well in a way that is funny for the parents and not totally traumatizing for the children. So go then. Um, so one way they, they do this, for instance, is in the first part of the play, when Pericles goes to this land and he's, he's deciding he wants to, um, to enter this competition to marry this like beautiful young woman and he has to solve a riddle and the riddle reveals that she is in I don't even know how to phrase this properly an incestuous relationship with her father but obviously with the power dynamic and family structure that he's just it's a it's a child rape thing so it's you know it's it's worse than it sounds um and so when he finds this out through the riddle he kind of just says, I don't want anything to do with this and takes off. Um, so, you know, at first I, I got to say, I didn't, I didn't love Pericles as a character. I thought he was kind of a bastard. Um, but the way they did this, right. Sorry, I should mention this is they had the young woman played by Pierre bro, mm. um, who, you know, I guess just, you know, a man playing that role, it kind of, you know, brought in the, the comic comedic elements into yeah. it and didn't make it quite and, so and awful. Probably true in keeping with like when Shakespeare actually wrote this play, the actors exactly. So, so it's really yes. in that like comedy under that comedy umbrella. Yes, yes, and I think I think like the only thing the, the play has so many twists and turns. Like pirates appear out of nowhere. It's just one of those like that's why I question like was Shakespeare drunk yeah. when he wrote this play because there yeah. there is so much in there. Yeah. And not the, I like the not one but two shipwrecks because of course that's a big yes. theme in um, oh my gosh in like all the plays like yeah. the Tempest or Twelfth yeah. Night yeah. or so like, even to add two it's kind of like almost like. Uh, sort of like he's almost making fun of himself or this convention that that's that what it feels like shit. yes yes and so the fools like have a lot of fun with this so there's some really funny moments where so al connor's plays pericles so he's like the central character of the show and he's 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 wonderful in this role and there's there's one part where he is i believe he is um i don't want to say who but he's mourning someone's death and he peels the sock off a child in the audience to wipe his tears away. Oh, and it's this beautiful God. moment. And the child just looked delighted with that kind of interaction. And they do, they do involve the children quite a lot. And like, they have a duel. So they bring a child up on stage to like help with that. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's another, there's another part where like they're sailing on the ocean and he wears like this boat on his head to represent like the, 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 you know, the, the, the wretched seas. And then there's, um, uh, one of the actors in the show named, uh, Mechdes Tesholm, uh, she's spraying him with like a water bottle to represent the ocean and, and sort of has fun like teasing him with it, even when the joke has gone like way too far. <laughs> and, um, and there was this, uh, there's, and then he does actually find, oh, the character finds love with another woman in the show, another, another woman he has to. Um, you know, impressed with his with his jousting, and uh, she's played by Mary Ellis, and they have this beautiful sort of sincere romance between them, which is lovely to watch. Um, and you know, great cast altogether. So as I said, we have Al Connors, Pierre Bro, Mary Ellis, um, Mechdes Tesholm, who who dances beautifully in this show, and is and I believe this is her first professional uh, show, right? Outside of university, so mm. it was great to see her on stage, and I think she's got a lot of potential. Um, and then uh, Mahalia Golnosh uh, Tabarira who uh, played beautiful violin music and was also lovely to watch. 
um, played uh, plays uh, Pericles' daughter later in the show. And then Jennifer Cecil, who has this most beautiful singing voice and gets a show that off at different times. So um, it felt like one of those shows that would, like really came together and had a lot of like just wonderful staging elements to it. So even though like we all acknowledge the play is absolutely absurd, uh, you get to really enjoy the staging of it. Catriona Leggi does a fantastic job keeping this ensemble together with just bits of music here and there, just enough to hold it tightly to keep the kids entertained and uh, to keep the whole thing flowing. So yeah. I was I was very impressed by it, and I don't know if I would go see any other production of that particular play, but I did love this production. Yeah, it seems like uh, the, the perfect... Uh, food for the company of fools fodder, so to speak. Like, Absolutely, this is, this is them and their real husband. It was a good challenge for them, yeah. and I I think they really succeeded in it. So, if uh, people want to find out more about this, is the best place to look on their their website for the yeah, it's uh, fools.ca for mm-hmm. the full schedule. Again, they're playing Strathcona Park every Monday and a variety of parks on the other days, and they're also on Facebook and Twitter, and they update quite a lot. The second play that we're going to be talking about is Fucking Carl, which is playing until July 30th at La Nouvelle Seine, and it's be- being presented by Théâtre Zitrillium. This is a play about Jess and Jay, who met during a Kijiji sale involving a pickup truck, a pack of players' light cigarettes, and a 2-4 of Labat Blue. Um, and now they're in a situation where they have to explain to an adoption board why they would be the best couple to receive a child. This play is written and performed by Caroline Yergo and Louis-Philippe Roy, who both play roles on the uh, of the opposite gender in the couple. Um, and the production is directed by Kevin Orr. So it's received stellar reviews uh, the first time around and won outstanding production in last year's Ottawa Fringe Festival. So the thing that stands out most to me is just this, like, the setting. It's, it's just a setting that really lends itself to slapstick comedy. Yurgo and Roy live very well in this world. The set is basically a dis- depiction of a fairly drab adoption agency with hanging panels that insinuate um, this somewhat clinical space, and, and the audience is cast in the ro- role of the adoption counselor. Um, so they're really pitching to us the whole time, though they get carried away on all these tangents, retelling their story, reenacting pieces of their romance they they fully start rearranging the space and the chairs and when you when you think like you're the person that they're pitching to it's just so funny how these two characters who are played almost as clowns um are are taking it upon themselves to sort of rearrange the furniture in the adoption which does office. not belong to them yeah, exactly <laughs> precisely yeah but they make themselves right at home which is really lovely and, yeah. and then really adds to the yeah. endearing qualities of the characters yeah and they they use some like very colorful language throughout and kind of get carried away with themselves and then end up sheepishly apologizing when they sort of re-remember where they are so it all worked very nicely i found it super immersive um i i thought, found it super playful i was laughing out loud pretty much the whole time um, and uh, the other thing that I want to mention really quickly is that Aura's direction really works here. Uh, they use the space really well. Those floating panels that I mentioned, they sort of like duck behind them at times to tell different secrets or, or, it's, or it's a door in one of their uh, sort of scenes that they're sort of acting about, out about their romance. Like, so, so it's really uh, like the stage arrangements are, are constantly interesting. They're constantly changing and, of course, moving around the furniture. Um, yeah, that sofa was fantastic the way it could kind of just like, you know, it was like a sitting up sofa and you could sort of just push it back down so it was more like a bed. Yeah. So it was kind of like that, yeah. you know, that I can imagine this sort of, you know, because they're playing as sort of like a white trash, like Quebecois couple. Yeah. And this the idea of like, hey, baby, come home with me and I can just like turn my sofa into a bed. Yeah. Like, yeah. how cool is that, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> And it is, and they're lovable, and they're adorable. The, the whole time, they're just so sprightly and playful. And um, I actually didn't know that Kevin Orr directed the piece until 
like just now when we were writing out the notes. I don't know how I missed that fact, but it kind of made sense to me. It has that sort of effervescent quality to it that uh, you might expect. And it's, it's really lovely. Um, if I had to like criticize anything, it would be some of the, the gags kind of running amok. There's this, there's this uh, aspect to Jay's personality where he sort of secedes the floor to Jess. So, so she's able to take the, the story over and she's, right up in front of the audience and and he'll kind of either go beside her or or behind her and enthusiastically mumble under his breath in an agreement and it's pretty animated it's pretty funny but it just keeps happening again and again and after a while it's just a bit of a distraction but just a bit too staged after a while yeah Yeah. absolutely maybe if things Um, sort of like integrated a little bit more so they maybe they're going back back and forth between them could have been kind of interesting but or if the joke evolves like all of a sudden he's trying to stop himself from talking or she asks him to stop or Mm -hmm. something like that yeah i get it yeah so yeah overall i really really enjoyed it this is a story of nice things happening to nice people it's that type of comedy where it really builds on itself like oh something else nice happens oh something else nice happens and and it really is like kind of this positive thing even even though there's a death during the play it's treated as this really like um positive kind of moment Mm -hmm. but then my my mind drifted while i was watching the performance to uh the interview uh that yorgo and voa had uh, on radio canada and they talked about why they chose uh this quote-unquote white trash couple for this unconventional love story from the interview it's it's clear that their intention was mainly as a tribute uh, to paraphrase them, but my question is, um, and you saw the play too, is this is this gender reversal kind of too much? Does it does it sort of kick the play more into like the realm of like clowning at this at the expense of a lower income community? What did you think? What was your reading of that gender reversal? Yeah, I actually I think the gender reversal helped with that mm. because uh, my thought was that let's say Caroline uh, uh, had played the woman and uh, Louis Philippe had played the man. Mm. Um, they may have sort of like, because they are playing the gender that they are, Mm -hmm. they may have played up the sort of, I suppose, white trash kind of qualities and felt the need to do that. Mm -hmm. But when you have the gender reversal, they're already playing a role in which they are Mm -hmm. not familiar or they don't quite fit like visually into that. Mm -hmm. And so that automatically gives them sort of a clown-like quality Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, we're seeing people like not in their comfortable space. Like they're not, and they're, they're not touching on the idea of being transgender or anything like that. That's Mm -hmm. a very, that's a very separate thing. Mm -hmm. It is clearly a man playing a woman Mm -hmm. in, in this sort of comedic way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that it, it allows them to sort of automatically have that sort of endearing quality without looking like it's making fun of them mm-hmm. as as a as a lower class couple and and in fact celebrating them and making them and making them more human. The woman is wearing these like ridiculously high stiletto shoes and these like tight pants and this sort of like wavy flowery shirt and 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 way too much makeup and it's kind of easy to make fun of her. But then you get to see her in this setting where like they are trying so hard to show themselves as good people and worthy mm-hmm. of adopting a child. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just, it just brings back the humanity to the story. And I think mm-hmm. we, all, we can always use more of that. I think we judge people way too easily. And I think that we need to be aware of our prejudices. And I think this show helps us with that. Uh, fucking Carlos playing until July 30th at La Nouvelle Seine. We're going to include a link to, to, that, uh, to the show in our SoundCloud. Keep listening and we'll talk about what's coming up this week. So 
lots more great summer theater coming your way. So as we mentioned, uh, A Company of Fools, uh, Pericles and uh, fucking Carl are both playing uh, still this summer. And uh, already open so far is Macbeth uh, with Bear and Co. Opened on July 2nd and plays until the 30th. So it comes back to Ottawa Parks this summer with uh, songs and swords, skullduggery, sorcery, and fire witches. Directed by Eleanor Crowder, music direction by Rachel Euster, and featuring Chris McLeod and Doreen Taylor Claxton with Daniel Claxton, Rachel Euster, Zoe Dragaris, Alexis Scott, and Sarah Weisfitz. He's as straight as an arrow lawyer, and she's a free spirit always looking for the latest adventure. Newly married and installed in their top floor walk-up, they're starting to realize that love may not be enough to overcome all. Then there's her morose mother, the eccentric neighbor, and the broken skylight. Catch Barefoot in the Park, playing until July 30th, and this is from the Ottawa Little Theatre. Just opened a couple of days ago in Prescott. Uh, there's much to do about nothing and Julius Caesar. Uh, two Shakespeare plays, which will be on until August 20th. This is part of the St. Lawrence Shakespeare Festival. So you can enjoy the Bard's work alongside the gorgeous St. Lawrence River in Prescott, just a short drive from Ottawa. Opening this week, we have Dark Horse Dance Projects, which is playing July 21st and 22nd at Odd Box. This summer, Dark Horse Dance Projects proudly presents 11 new works divided into two different lineups. So each night will feature both lineups, one at 7 p.m. and the other at 9 p.m. You can decide to come for just one show for $15 or be there for the entire evening for $25. Uh, we'll link to the Facebook page at one of the event. And lastly, we have The Servant of Two Masters. It opens this week, July 21st, and plays until August 21st. So this is Odyssey Theatre in Strathcona Park uh, for Carlo Goldoni's classic Commedia dell'arte play of feuding families and mistaken identities. Directed by Andy Massingham and featuring local actors Sarah Finn and Zach Council, with Ottawa native and Soupe Soleil clown Jesse Buck, among others. This will be Odyssey's 31st production under the stars. So that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks especially to Adrian Wong as we are using her microphone to record this week's episode. Um, and Adrian, if you want your microphone back, just, uh, yeah, give us a call. For everyone else, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay tuned for next week.